Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. On today's podcast, I'm joined by German Cricket International Tina Goff to chat about the Women's 100 2022. Thanks for joining me, Tina. Thank you very much for having me. Well, welcome back. Um, I've also got guest slots from... Two Catherines, Catherine Bryce, a Trent Rocket, and former England international Catherine Leng. But let's start, as I did with McNeil, with the final, Oval Invincibles versus the Southern Brave, uh, a repeat of the 2021 final. What was your thoughts on the final? Did you get a chance to watch it? I did. Um, I thought it was a good final. Uh, the best team of the tournament won, which I think is always good. Sometimes we like an upset, but I think the Oval Invincibles um, showed their quality throughout. In terms of the actual final, I think it swung back and forth a little. It was quite comfortable in the end. I think it was maybe six balls to go. Um, It's always hard to judge when there's so few balls in the game, what is a comfortable win? But I think it became inevitable towards the end of the innings that that they would chase it down. Um, I was really pleased for Emily Windsor to get the, the winning runs against a lot of her Vipers teammates as well. And I think, again, we saw the quality of Marizan Cap. She's a big match player, and I think she proved it again in the final. Yeah, I was going to come on to Marizan Cap, but to the Southern Brave at one stage were 83 for two after 74 mm. balls. They they looked like getting a lot bigger score than the eventual 101 for seven. Yeah, I mean, it was it was quite uh, quite a small collapse towards the end, but it shows the value of wickets as well, that you even if you um, give yourself a very solid start, a few wickets can change the game, especially in, in the shorter format. And you mentioned Marazan Cat, but her fellow South African, uh, Shabim Ismail, two for 12 off 20 balls. She was outstanding on the day. Yeah, she's a quality player. And like Marazan Cap, she always seems to step up to the big occasions and She's certainly a fierce competitor. She's not someone you want to have at the top of their mark running at you, for sure. And as you say, it did swing a little bit. When the um, Oval Invincibles were batting, they were 33 for three after 32 balls. Um, That's despite, at the time, um, Alice Capsey striking 25 off only 17 17 balls, going 4-6-4 at one point. Yeah, I mean, she's an extremely impressive cricketer to think that she's still so young and yet she she bats and even plays like she's been playing cricket and international cricket for years and years. Uh, to have someone who can hit the ball at such a strike rate as well is incredible. And I think that's where maybe the Ovals, Oval Invincibles showed their uh, dominance that even they were, even though they were three down quite early on, to have someone like Marizan Cap come in and steer the ship um, yeah, just shows their quality all the way down their batting order. Yeah, she was only 18 during the tournament, Alice Capsey. So yeah, lots yeah. more to come from her. 
it's incredible. And there's always talk about the under 19 World Cup coming up soon enough as well. And the fact that she could go to that and play a starring role, um, having already got experience on an international stage, puts England in a very strong position for that as well. And you mentioned Marizan Cap, who you played against in the Fairbreak international tournament. Played with her. So I was lucky enough to have her on my team, which um, again, it's something I'm, someone I'd much rather have on my team than against me. And even though at fair break, she was only able to play the last few games, her quality showed. So with bat and ball, you know, if she's there, you've still got a chance. And I think that was what the Invincibles almost banked on that she was the key wicket and she um, saw them through to the end. And yeah, big match player. And she stepped up again. Yeah, she, I mean, last year's final, she got 26 and four for nine. And um, I saw her play against the Trent Rockets at Trent Bridge when she steered home the Oval Invincibles in another tight game. Yeah, I mean, she's, I think what sets her apart is her composure. She's in the middle and it looks like she's playing a match in a park. She's just calm and collected. And she also talks a lot with her um, fellow batter. You could see that in the final when Emily Windsor was then there towards the end. She was almost, although Windsor is a very um, experienced player herself, she was almost coaching her through every ball, keeping everyone calm. And, you know, if she's out there in the middle, calm and collected, then everyone else can almost relax a little bit, knowing that she's she's got everything under control. Yeah, I mean, that must have made a lot of difference to Emily Windsor because it must be nerve-wracking when you're coming in with a 20,000 crowd at Lord's if, say, Marazan Kappa got out and all of a sudden uh, a, a small target, and he said they won by six balls, but you take two or three more balls off that and then it could have got really tight. Well, exactly. And no matter how much cricket you've played in whatever stadiums in the world, nothing will prepare you for that kind of pressure. Um, add on to that, that she's playing against a lot of her teammates. Everyone probably knows her, is probably giving her stick. Um, and the fact that she was able to stay calm in that and hit the winning runs having, I think, not even played too many games through the tournament, it must have been an incredible moment for her and great for the whole team as well. And let's talk about the tournament in general. What were your overall thoughts of uh, 2022 for the Women's 100? I think the the main thing that struck me was the standard of cricket. So I went to one game at Edgebaston between Phoenix and Trent Rockets and I was there for the men's and women's. And I think the main thing that struck me was the quality of all the play, but especially the fielding. Um, you, It's always difficult and I don't like comparing the men's and the women's games, but the standard of fielding in particular from the women was outstanding. I think not a single drop dropped catch, the arms from the boundary going straight into the keeper's gloves. These kind of things are, the athleticism is something that's really gone up a few notches in the last couple of years. And I think that standard really showed during the 100 and then, of course, the tournament as a whole, I think the ECB released the attendance figures recently and there's more women and children attending than last year. And the domestic attendance records have been broken, I think, on several occasions. So that shows the appeal of the tournament and that it's not just about the men's game, that the women's game is holding its own and that people are going for those games as well, rather than, as some detractors suggest, going just waiting, sitting there for the men's game. So I think it's a great tournament and seeing the emergence of new players as well is always something that's very exciting um, to see how they grow on a domestic level and maybe then make the step up to the international stage as well. Yeah, good points there about the um, 
the viewing, the actual crowds at the at the games. Mm-hmm. All venues broke their domestic crowd record for a women's match. Forty-one uh, percent of the tickets went to families, twenty-eight percent um, women, and twenty-two percent children. So that's all good signs. Exactly, and when you have kids then growing up who just see this as normal, I think that's when you start seeing how important these kind of tournaments are. So when I was there at Edgebaston, there was a few kids next to me collecting the collectible cards and they were just ex- as excited about picking up Nat Siva or Anya Shrubsole as they were picking up Liam Livingston and David Milan. And to see this kind of enthusiasm for the women's game and just seeing them as athletes, as cricketers, rather than as somehow inferior to the men is amazing to see. And then they were able to uh, repay that on the pitch by putting in amazing performances with bat ball and in the field. Let's hear from the two Catherines, beginning with one of the show's regulars, Catherine Leng. Again, I think it was absolutely fantastic. Such an exciting competition. Um, It was really good uh, to see, again, record crowds coming in, you know, to watch the women's game. Equally, it was so good to see that families were there watching um, watching it throughout the evening. Um, highlight of the crowd has seen a little boy drop his ice cream. I uh, thought that was quite funny. Um, and the commentators were just saying that is going to go any minute, and it did. Um, I do, you know, everything, I mean... In saying that, the commentary was fantastic. It was lively. Um, There were DJs, there were bands. Um, It made it a really, really good day out, having uh, the women's format first and then the men um, second. I just think it, um, for the wider audience, for a wider international audience, it's it's really good for the game. And, And it's bringing it to people that wouldn't normally want want to go and watch a cricket match with their children or, you know, of a half or whatever. So um, as long as they keep keep the prices cheap, um, I think we get the crowds, um, you know, and who love the razzmatazz of it all. It's not just watching the cricket. It's, it's the whole package. Yeah, I think it's been, it's been an interesting year because obviously it was, even shorter than last year with the Commonwealth Games being before it but I think it was really brilliant having that sort of build up into it I think that kind of really started the momentum um, for the women's game and and getting completely new people watching the Commonwealth Games because you just you just get tickets for anything really um, and got them into cricket and then that just kind of fed into into the women's hundred that started after that and I think um, it felt like the 100 really took off once the women's competition got started and um, it was just an amazing kind of few weeks. So you think the actual Commonwealth Games was a, a boost to get people back watching cricket again, women's sort of short form cricket? Because I was going to ask you, did you think six matches was too short? Yeah, I think it definitely it got another sort of new audience, I think. The hundred in general has got more families kind of coming up, coming along to cricket and and new people finding cricket. But I think the Commonwealth Games again. I think me personally, you go and watch different sports that you never really go and watch live, or it's up, it's on the TV and you're and you're supporting your teams. Like everyone was behind kind of the Bello Brothers beach volleyball and things like that, which you'd never watch all year round. And I think the same sort of thing with cricket is the fact that it's like a whole. Um, 
like team England environment and not not just England cricket that sort of support kind of builds up through the competition and, and different people watch it um, and yeah I think it's six games definitely felt very short it was done very quickly and obviously we, we got to the eliminator so it extended the period a bit but that that six games did feel very short but um, I think it was brilliant to kind of lead on after the Commonwealth Games. And the crowds crowds were up particularly for the for the women's match we had a record domestic crowd at the final on Saturday. Yeah, even at Trent Bridge in two consecutive games, there was record crowd of 10,000 and then 11,000 at the women's games there. So I think it's it's just brilliant to see kind of how it's built from last year and it's not just the same or like you said before, it's not um, kind of dropped off at all. Actually, the the excitement is still building and people are coming and watching and enjoying the game for, for the whole match and not just trailing in towards the end to, to watch the men's. And we did see a higher quality of international players playing this year with the Australians coming over. Yeah, and that's something that uh, obviously there was circumstances around that last year, but it was maybe then good the way the Commonwealth Games fell this year that meant that a lot of the big stars were able to to stay in the country for the 100. And it was great seeing this mix of stars. So Elise Perry turning out for the, the Phoenix, even though she didn't bowl, but having that star quality, but also having that experience for the for the less experienced for the younger players would be um, an incredible opportunity for them and yeah I mean you could see the quality of the internationals in that I think they dominated the top 20 run scorers but that's kind of what you expect these are big name players this is why they get paid the big bucks and it was great to see them all together on on the stage in in England. Yeah we had Alana King getting a hat trick Beth Mooney nearly scoring a century yeah, it was a shame that Beth didn't quite get over the line. I was I was watching that game and willing her towards the end, but I think uh, being the professional that she she was, she was just happy to to get the win. Um, but it was a real shame that she didn't get those extra three runs. But yeah, a hat trick is always great, and the celebrations when Alana King got it were were wild. So yeah, that was great to see. And she's so so young as well. It, it's unbelievable. I mean, I'm not the youngest myself anymore but I, I'm not too old either and I see some of these girls performing who are 16, 17, 18 and they've performed as if they've been playing cricket for or international cricket in front of thousands for the last 10 years and, and that's really exciting for the future as well players like Alice Capsey coming through and really exciting talents and they've still got all of their careers ahead of them to, so to think what they could still be achieving in the coming years is really exciting. And did you think the competition standard was stronger in 2022? Yeah, I think so. I think you're just kind of like constantly seeing an improvement in in the standard, and I think that comes down to the number of people now training full full time as well, and and you're able to be professional. And um, it's not just the the short competition. Obviously, you get the exposure um, on live on TV and and kind of seeing how much it's improved I think it just shows that actually when you get the expo- the same exposure and you get the opportunity to train professionally um, how much the standard can improve and we also had the leading Australians playing this year so that must have made the competition more stronger yeah definitely I think it was brilliant to have those players in to to kind of see what it was like obviously a lot of them dropped out so so people were kind of like oh this, the standard isn't as good with without the Australians in it but I think it was brilliant to 
to have a full tournament where wherever anyone that wanted to be involved could be involved and um, I think it was fantastic having them over. Do you think the tournament is improving the standard of English women's cricket? I'm going to throw a spanner in the works there, but when you look at the just the statistics, um, if you're going to look at it from that point of view, that they're all international players in the top 10. Um, I think um, if you go to the strike rates and things like that, you've got a lot of UK domestic players in there. Um, but overall, I think we're looking at, you know, all international players, um, Wolfarts, Bates, uh, top of the batting. Um, so when you look at it that way, um, not really, but when you're looking at it in a general point of view, I think it's given, um, if I can think off the top of my head, players like Rihanna, McDonald, Gay, it's given players like that the opportunity to play alongside uh, Cap and people like that, the international players, to give them that experience um, and dressing room experience of how it, how it all works. Um, so statistically, I don't think it's working right now, but in terms of giving the domestic players at the minute, the younger ones, the experience of playing with top players, I think it can, um, but I think we've got a few years yet. So you think the experience, though, will will lead to England having a stronger side and being able to compete more strongly against the Australians? Yeah, but it's not an immediate fix. It it's a it's a slow burner as far as I'm concerned. Let's return to our main guest, Tina Goff, for more thoughts on the women's hundred. There's two players I just wanted to pick out. One was Nat Siver, who I don't know whether you were watching at the time. I wasn't watching it live when she in the eliminator hit three successive sixes and then had the chance of doing it again to get the Trent Rockets into the final but uh, unfortunately for her didn't quite manage it yeah I I saw that live and it was an incredible performance almost single-handedly dragging her team into the final and it was it was strange you got to the then the last ball and everyone almost expected her to score the winning runs because she made the previous three balls look so easy just dispatching them over the rope that it was almost a bit of a anti-climax then I think she just didn't quite get hold of it and hit it straight to mid-off and I was so gutted for her but also disappointed that for the whole team that kind of she wasn't able to to get it over the line but I think it's testament to her skill that she was able to hit those previous three balls for uh, boundaries to even get her team in a position or even with a chance of winning off the final ball but yeah that was I think if I had to pick out and innings of the tournament that would probably be it even though she did end up on the losing side it was a shame I think that they didn't give her the the match hero award because if anyone deserved it being on the losing side I think that was her and the Trent Rockets um what I've got to ask you what was it like um being at the eliminator when Nat Siver has hit three consecutive sixes and then you you really think that she could hit another one and get you to the final Oh, it was absolutely fantastic. It's been it'd been pretty stressful few days, kind of building into the eliminator whether we were going to make it there in the end. Watching the the Phoenix game and then 
watching the the spirit game uh oh that was they said the um a superchargers game the next day as well so it was a pretty stressful couple of days of cricket and then obviously getting to the eliminator was absolutely brilliant and um that was just incredible sitting there watching it and every time the ball went for six we we're like we can actually do this we can actually do this and um oh, it was just absolutely phenomenal what she was able to do and I think it was, she was so close to to kind of getting us over the line but to even get that close um was absolutely incredible and I don't know don't know if you ever, you'll ever really see that again um in the women's game three sixes consecutively in that in that last over um but just the excitement that it brought um it was just absolutely incredible and uh, thoughts must be with her at the moment because she's now just stood down from playing in the England-India series for, for emotional fatigue. It shows how tough it has been for sportsmen and cricketers over the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. If you look back to the start of the pandemic and um, it's so difficult to be away for such extended periods of times. So I had it on a very small scale when uh, Germany had World Cup qualifiers in Spain. And we were then confined to our hotel rooms. And that was, I think, a matter of seven days or 10 days. So to have that for months on end um, and then having to perform on an international level with all the pressure of not only your own teammates, but the fans and the media, it's it's not a surprise that players do get to a point where they just need a break. And I think luckily we're now at a stage where people are fully supported in their decision to do that. And I think it's obviously give her uh, my full support and I hope she gets all the rest and re- recuperation she needs because obviously long term, she's still an extremely important player for England and England need her in the best possible mental and physical shape. And that's important for her and for the team. Yes, I think sometimes people forget that although, you know, members of the public like myself, we were sort of confined to things, but we could still move about to a degree that whereas if you were playing international sport so often you were just playing international sport then going to your hotel room and then playing international sport and that's all you could do and that's the thing that a lot of course international sport is a huge part of people's lives but just as important as being able to do other things and just completely switching off from that pressure whether that's um, spending time with family and friends or doing something completely different and if that is taken away from you then the pressure just intensifies and then adding on the pressure of social media and the news media we have nowadays. um, Yeah, it's definitely a very difficult balance to strike. And it's good that players like Nat and anyone else are getting the emotional support they need. Well, thank you for that. The other player I wanted to pick out was a guest on this podcast in episode 145 was Georgia Adams, who did so well with, with the ball and the bat for the Southern Brave and, and, was the key player in that eliminator against the Trent Rockets. Yeah, I mean, based on um, interviews she's done in the past and the conversations she had with you, I think she would be probably more surprised than anyone that she was playing such a a big role with the ball. Um, And I think it's great to see someone who is very, very talented just in batting try and add something new to their game. And it's not something that happens overnight. So she's clearly worked very hard on that. And yeah, hats off to her that she was able to basically transform herself into an all-rounder. And she's a great competitor. So I was really, really pleased for her that she was able to deliver with the bat and the ball. Oh, she got nine wickets in the tournament. I was going to ask you then, who would be your star batter and star bowler in the tournament? 
Good question. So I think Nats for batting, Nat Silver is definitely in with a shout. Um, I think Laura Wolvart as well. I think she ended up top scorer for the for the whole tournament, despite being in a team that won three, lost three. Um, I also maybe then settle on Susie Bates. She was also my teammate uh, at Fairbreak in Dubai. And I think the the power and the momentum that she gave her team at the top of the order set them up for a lot of wins. And um, just the experience she gives the team away from batting as well is invaluable. So I think, yeah, maybe those three would be my top three picks. It's difficult to choose between them though. (laughs) And did we pick a bowler there? You you just picked some batsmen there, didn't you? Yeah, so bowlers. um, I think Amanda Jade, Jade Wellington was top of the list. I think Lauren Bell did a really good job as well and more than justified her England call-up. You could see the incredible swing she got with the ball in the final at Lords. Not only the swing she gets, but then using the slope. I think Jimmy Anderson would have been proud of that movement. Um, and yeah, there's maybe uh, an outside shout would be uh, Sophia Smale. And she only came in as an injury replacement for Emma Jones, I think it was. And she, again, she's only 17 and she picked up some big wickets at big moments in games. Um, So she would definitely be within a shout as well. And I think what was interesting from the bowling perspective is that while the batting, the top run scorers were dominated by internationals, the bowling top performers were actually more um, uncapped players or players who haven't otherwise got international experience. So adding into that, Emily Arla, I know she's been around the England team, Lauren Bell, that these players were able to step up and really take that opportunity, I think was great. And they've more than justified um, their names now being in the hat for England um, caps and obviously any other country that comes calling for um, other bowlers who performed really well at the 100. I'd go for Nat Siver purely <laughs> off that one innings. Um was absolutely remarkable to to kind of get there like even close um but I think Susie Bates was probably one of the most consistent batters throughout the tournament um just constantly putting putting scores on the board and and putting players under pressure and just like really set the tone for the oval and made they probably didn't have the biggest depth um of batting lineup but um her at the top of the order uh really took on took on the attack and, and got them got them to the end um Standout bowler. I think obviously Amanda Jade Wellington is um she's just so consistent um over there, um just consistently taking wickets. Um slightly biased with our leggy, I'd say Kingy, um was absolutely incredible for us. And like that hat trick that she took it against um Manchester Originals in the first game at Old Trafford was absolutely phenomenal. And I think she was incredible for us throughout the tournament um I think one of the the standout up-and-coming bowlers was probably Sophia Smale um just the way that she performed and not just kind of through that middle phase but was asked to kind of open the ball and having never played in a tournament before and, and did a fantastic job so I think she's one of the best kind of young bowlers coming through and this year you got got the chance to play against Sarah, your sister, who was playing for the Welsh Fire. What was that like? And did you actually get to bowl against her? No, I didn't actually bowl against her in the end. Um, it was it was interesting because we would obviously 
it had been built up quite a lot last year and um, supposed to play against each other um, in the oval game which was rained off um, so it kind of came around this year and we're playing playing against each other um, and yeah it worked out well because we beat them in the end so that's definitely <laughs> the desired outcome um, so it was, it's definitely a bit strange kind of playing against there because it's never really happened before um so it was definitely an experience um and it was great to kind of my aunt and uncle came along as well and watched um and they had a great time kind of supporting with yellow and red hats on and between between my parents as well kind of mixing up what what hats they were wearing throughout the day um so it was it was a good experience I was going to ask you what, what who were they supporting what they were wearing but they were covering all bases really yeah yeah definitely dad had one one yellow bucket hat on and then a red bucket hat on on top of that <laughs> Well, Sarah did well. She got twenty-three runs in that in that uh, eight-wicket defeat for the Welsh Fire. Yeah, she had a she's had a very good season actually. Um, kind of really built built her confidence, and then got promoted to open the batting when Haley Matthews left. So just kind of really took that on, and I think she did a a really good job for the the Welsh Fire, and um, yeah, had a pretty good tournament. And turning to the future of the hundred, would you like to see any changes in the format? Um. Not specifically, I think the format works really well um, with the 100 balls and, um, yeah, the, the way that it works um, also seems to be, seems to work out really well. Um, it probably felt pretty short with the, the just the six games, so um, maybe extending it slightly so that it's, I think it's really difficult sort of competition if you, if you don't start very well, you've got got nowhere to go and you're almost right behind it um, right from the start. So um, if the competition is slightly longer, it gives you a chance to kind of get together as a team and, and really turn things around if you don't have the best start. Um, whereas it can kind of put you put you right at the bottom and um, not give you much of a chance if you don't get off to the best start. So um, maybe that's one thing. What about, are you in favour of semi-finals or do you like the eliminator idea where the team that tops the group goes through to the final? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, never quite sure because I'm. I like the idea of the eliminator, um, and especially with the Super League, I think it worked quite well with there just being six teams. But possibly with there there being eight teams, I think there could maybe be um, two semi-finals and and then on to the final. Um, I think that would just. I guess if you're keeping it a short competition, it just kind of increases the number of games for for more teams. And do you see the competition continuing to raise the, the standard of, of women's cricket? Yeah, definitely. I think even how much we've shown it's grown um, over the last couple of years and the support. And I think the funding that comes in through that um, is what helps grow all the regional pathways and, and stuff like that as well. So I think that sort of support is only going to keep on growing and growing. And you see it when we go back in and do... Um, little dynamo sessions or all-star sessions and and go and see these kids that they're running around in their yellow rockets top or whatever and and they've got tickets to come and see the game and they're just so enthusiastic about cricket because because of the 100 I think all of that sort of energy is just going to just keep on coming through and um, people want to grow up and play in the 100 and I think that's a really exciting place to be. I think that's wonderful to hear that and the other thing that I noticed at 100 games is how players male and female interact with supporters always signing autographs being at the final on on Saturday you know you've seen you know all the leading players just signing autographs whenever anyone was asking them 
yeah I think it's a great thing to do because it seems so simple for you to stand there with a pen and, and sign a few autographs but it really does kind of make their day and and their week and and it does inspire them so something that's so simple for us to do and um, makes such a big difference for them so it's definitely um a huge part of of what we do as well and you've said it earlier but the the hundred then is really providing opportunities for player these these young players to hopefully improve and and lead to us seriously challenging the australians when we next play them yeah i mean that's the Australians, I think, are still quite far ahead in terms of the structures they have in place to to foster this young talent. But the hundred now is providing a fantastic opportunity for um, not only young England players but players of um, any nationality. I think a few um, young players were brought in from. There was one girl who came in from the UAE, and although she didn't play to be around those kind of international players to pick up that experience is something that's invaluable. So, yeah, as I mentioned before, the Under-19 World Cup is coming up soon and England, that would probably be the first uh, barometer where we can really see how well England are doing in terms of bringing through talent because I think they do have an exciting team. If you've got um, Capsi, you've got Smale, you've got Grace Scrivens, these are all players who have played now for two years in a big franchise tournament and they've got a lot of experience which they wouldn't have got were it not for the 100. And playing in in front of such big crowds as well. Well, exactly. I think nothing will quite prepare you, for example, for playing in front of the MCG. Um, but playing at Lords in front of twenty thousand people is certainly a big step towards that. And to expose these youngsters to that at such a young age is is great. Obviously, again, talking about emotional support is something that needs to be carefully managed because it is a very high pressure situation. But to expose them to that. Um, with the support of their teammates can only be good for the the professionalism of the game going forward. And then to see the young people in the crowd watching the games, that can only be good for cricket, really. Well, exactly. And now you have young girls and boys seeing these cricketers perform and they'll think, well, I, if they can do that, so can I. And that's what we always wanted with women's cricket, that uh, you need to see it to be it. And yeah, to have that now uh, structure in place where these young girls really do have these role models who they then can interact with as well. It's not like, for example, um, at football or in the Premier League where these kind of stars are so far away from you in terms of experience. You've seen it a lot, the hundred where players sign autographs, take selfies after the game. And this is where you kind of get this invaluable um interaction between fans and players and that's definitely something that should be built on in the future as well yeah I saw that at the final and I mentioned it when I spoke to Catherine which uh, listeners will hear on this podcast how fantastic it is to see after the games and and even to an extent during games when they're actually signing caps and, and autographs and taking selfies with with young supporters and I think the interesting thing to note there is that almost all of those female players know what it's like to be the other side of that fence because they were probably the other side of the fence just a few years ago. So I don't think that will ever be lost, that kind of um, being in touch with the fans because it's still such a new experience for a lot of these female professionals to even be playing in front of crowds at all, let alone big crowds and people wanting their autographs and selfies. So I think it's always worth remembering where you've come from and most of these female players have come from playing club games playing in parks um so that connection with the fans i think is 
special and maybe even more special than, for example, in the men's game where some of the, the male players have grown up always playing in front of fans and always being in this professional environment. Yeah, I think Alex Capsies um, was at the uh, 2017 England Women's World Cup final against India. I've heard her talk about that. Well, exactly. And that's even more mind-blowing to think she's now 18. So back then, which seems like only yesterday, she was 12 or 11. So it's crazy how quick these things can go. And I'm sure in the future, we'll have more stories like that of uh, fans who are at the 100 and four, five, six years later, they're playing with the same players. So that will be something that will be really exciting to see in the future as well. And is it a competition you'd like to get involved in, in yourself and get in one of those squads? I mean, I would never say no. <laughs> I, it, it would be amazing to be a part of. And um, yeah, I'm not too old yet. So I think I've still got a few good years in me. So if any of the teams uh, are listening, then I'm I'm more than open to offers. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining me on the on the paddock and the pavilion and also thank you to our guest slots uh, the two Catherines uh, Catherine Bryce from Scotland and Catherine Lang from England thank you for having me thank you thank you for listening to the paddock and the pavilion you can download the show on Apple Podcasts Amazon Music SoundCloud Stitcher and Spotify follow us on Twitter Facebook and Instagram at the pad and pad don't forget if you like the show please do leave us a rating and review Podcast Network.